We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. I mean, you guys are the best team in Chicago. Everybody knows that. We all know that the afternoon show is not afraid of anything, really. Yeah. But Afternoons on the score. Crosby the kick from 38 for the lead, for the pack. the push up the oh, middle just tremendous push alex brown you see him number 96 off the ball look at all the hands up in the air aaron Rodgers watching goes you gotta be kidding me. the parkins and spiegel show afternoons on the score what a great moment in bears packers history when alex brown blocked that field goal bears go on to win in overtime Felt like that could have been scooped and scored. We'll ask him. Alex Brown, NBC Sports <laughs> Chicago, with us on the hotline presented by Circus Sports Illinois. What's up, AB? Happy New Year, man. Happy New Year, guys. How y'all doing? We're good. Thank you, Alex. Should, should, should that have been a block six in that spot in 08? Dad, you know what? I talked to Peanut about that, and he said he couldn't feel his fingers. He couldn't feel his hands. So mm. when he reached down to pick up the ball, he kicked it and kicked it right out of bounds. So it very well could have been a scoop and score, though. Yeah, and then uh, the other funny part of that is you actually, like, you did your job, you blocked the kick, but you didn't mm-hmm. do what you were supposed to do, correct? That is correct. That is correct. I was actually on the wrong side, and Erlacher's telling me to get on the other side, but during the game, I knew that this particular um, lineman would cave down if I was, like, lined up inside eye of him so I lined up inside eye and then swimming because I knew he'd do it the other guy wouldn't so I'm not going to that side I don't care if y'all call the block on the left or not I'm not going to that side I'm going to this side because we need to block this damn thing and that's what I was trying to do so I'm just glad it worked out that's amazing. Wow. Freelancing and, and you make the play. Um, yeah. Trying to look at the game logs. I think you were seven and nine against the Packers. Does that feel right? That's pretty damn good, Alex Brown. You know, you know what? That is that is really good being that um, we didn't start out very well when I first got here. Um, when I got to Chicago, uh, if you know, well, in 01, I wasn't here, but the Bears go 13 and three. And of those three losses, two of them were to the Packers. How the heck you go 13-3 and three and you can't beat them once, you know? And then after that, we get smoked. And then we open up Soldier Field, and Brett Favre hits Donald Driver on a bomb. And it's like, oh, wow, this is okay. Yeah, this isn't going to be fun. And then Lovey comes, and the first thing he says is, we're going to beat the Packers. It's like, whoa, whoa, hold on, Coach. Like, have you seen the Packers? Like, you – you know what you're saying, right? And then he had a plan. And he put put the right guys in place and um, changed the mentality. And, yeah, we had a very competitive team for 
So, I mean, probably the duration that Lovey was here, we were very competitive. So, uh, we're very fortunate to get to the Super Bowl in 06. I still think we had a better team. We just didn't win that Sunday. And I thought they had a really good shot to do it in 2010, where, ironically, the situation is exactly the same as it was in 2010, but on the other side, where if um, if the Bears beat the Packers, they're out. Back then, if the Bears would have beat the Packers, they would have been out that last game of the season. They didn't. The Packers squeaked in and then went on a run. I think they blew out Atlanta at their place, and then they kind of came back to Soldier Field and um, beat uh, beat the Bears. So that is really, really interesting, Alex. So when Lovey mm-hmm. gets hired and he says, uh, you know, first order business, oh, yeah. we're going to beat Green Bay, Mm-hmm. You you were skeptical of it. Were, were other other were other players skeptical of it? What what was that transformation I'm, like? I'm not. I mean, I'm not. I'm not gonna speak for everybody, but everybody knew. I don't know what I can say up here or what I can't. But we were getting our ass handed to us from from those guys. So yeah. it wasn't like we were competitive with them. No, not at all. We were getting smoked, and it wasn't like it was close. So I've been in been a couple. I mean, coming to Chicago. I wasn't in a lot of those games where at Florida where it just didn't feel like we had a shot. And then once they like, okay, here we go. And then they turn it on and it's like, oh my gosh, like, okay, this is a real football team. <laughs> they are really good. So I don't think, I don't know if everybody felt that way. I'm, I'd venture to say some other people felt that way, but I definitely did. So, but it was good to see that Levy had a plan and, um, fortunately for me, I mean, I was, uh, I was a part of that plan. So, and we were able to build something very special that, um, almost got to the finish line in uh, 06. You know, Alex, it, it, obviously they're just starting maybe to build something here. And mm-hmm. it, we've been trying to figure out how much of the obvious collective goodwill and the love that these guys seem to have for each other, the camaraderie and how they play with and for each other. How much of that is due to the coach? Do you get any do you get any sense that there's anything close or or budding, like building towards what you guys felt for Lovey in terms of what's going on with this defense and how they feel about the coaches? It's very early, but do you get any sense that we're uh that we're building towards something like that? Well, from the I mean, I'm I'd be merely speaking from the outside looking in because I'm not inside that locker room, right? So um I would say that from the outside looking in, those guys, they, they really love their coach. Um, I think they play hard for him. You can see that on the football field, whether they're winning or losing. Now they're winning, and it's starting to kind of snowball. Um, uh, it's just happening late in the season, and they're going to miss the playoffs. But if they go and they beat Green Bay, I think there's a there's a chance that you, you might want to run this back with this group and see if they can continue taking that step forward. I don't know – if people really remember, uh, 04 wasn't a really good year for, for the Chicago Bears and Lovey Smith in his first year. And then his second year didn't get started off too good. And I think we were one in three. And then all of a sudden it kind of clicked. And we started to go and we went on like a seven or eight game uh, winning streak and then lost to Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh in some crazy monsoon snow deal. And that team ended up not losing another game and, win, and going and winning the Super Bowl in 05. So, yes, I can see that building. You can see the um, they've figured out how they win. And I think 
that's the biggest key, finding out what you do well. Just like Pittsburgh did back in 05, they figured out how to win. They ran the football, they played great defense, and they ran the table from there. If the Bears can just figure out what they do well, I don't care if it's pretty. It doesn't matter. If, it's, if, if you go out and you throw for 400 yards and you run for 115 and you lose, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I mean, you got to win because this is a production business. And if you don't produce, you're going to get replaced. That's just how it is. Whether you're a coach, a player, it doesn't matter. So I like what they're doing. I think um, if you can go out and you can go spoil a game that means everything to Green Bay, um, you go spoil that for them at their place, I think it is worth kicking around. You you have to think about it. But on the other hand, <laughs> yeah, 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 go on. Yeah, I'm telling you, like, on the other hand, you got to think about over the last eight years, what have we done? We've been actively looking for a quarterback, and, and we've seen Patrick Mahomes. We've seen um, Deshaun Watson. We've seen C.J. Stroud. We've seen uh, Lamar Jackson. These are, these are players that we've had an opportunity to draft. In a, in a time where we're actively looking for a quarterback and we're passing on them, now you're telling me we have a chance at this new crop of quarterback and we're just going to pass on them too. Well, then you better be right about Justin. And I see 10 and 27, I think is his record uh, on, on his start. And, oh, man, it is very hard to, to say I see something good coming from that when you just look at the record. Now you look at the last five games, sure, but or six games, sure. You're like, okay, we're headed somewhere. But the overall p- picture of that, it looks real grim, I'll say. Well, right, but Alex, I think that what you said there at the very end, right, like 10 and 27 is obviously horrible, but you've watched, mm-hmm. you've watched every game just like we have, right? I mean, mm-hmm. year one, it's Matt Nagy, and he's running Andy Dalton's offense, and they're not adjusting anything mm-hmm. for him, and it was idiotic and horrible. Then last year, the team is – openly tanking they're they're tra- trading away Roquan Smith trading away Robert Quinn first year in a new system I guess my question would be if I told you the last six games and maybe say 10% better because he's still clearly improving 20% better uh was going to be the new norm for Justin Fields but it is high risk high variance tons of running but like that's what it is is that good enough to pass on Caleb Williams? The last six games plus ten or twenty percent. Well, first off, I don't want to. I don't want to just pencil in or ink in uh, Caleb Williams. I think you have to go through the process and you have to see which guy fits what you're trying to do, what you're trying to build as far as the guys that's coming out in the draft. You have to go through that process and evaluate all these guys. Now, um, if Justin's going to be ten percent better from where he is now, and that is the floor, absolutely, I'm moving forward with Justin. I'm moving forward with him, and we're going to build around this. And, um, yes, we'll take into consideration that, yes, he, he could get injured. But um, last year there was two quarterbacks trying, that got paid. There um, probably was more, but these two in particular, and Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson, well, which one's hurt? Which one seems to be hurt all the time? Yeah, Bur- right. Burrow. No, no, you, you can get, you can the, get hurt in the, the pocket. pocket, no question. Yeah, absolutely. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So yeah. you can get hurt in the pocket. You can get hurt running. It doesn't matter. I mean, these guys, you got some You got some animals on defense out there. You got guys like Michael Parsons. I don't care if you're in the pocket or running. He can hurt you. It doesn't matter what. So you, you find a guy that you feel comfortable with leading your team. And if you give me 10% better Justin Fields, 
moving forward with the draft capital that we have and the things that we can put around him, hell yeah, I'm moving forward with Justin and we're gonna we're gonna find we're gonna stay in the in the lane that we're in and continue winning. I don't you don't have to win pretty. It does not matter. I just care that you win. When you look at who they've beaten, I wasn't super excited about the Atlanta game. The game that I was super excited about was the Detroit game. That is a bona fide playoff contender right there. They are if if they get going, they can cause some trouble in the playoffs for the NFC, in my opinion, until they see San Francisco. But hmm. like they can really be a problem. That team you beat, that team you should have beat at their place, like that, that's something. Now get over the mental hurdle of beating Green Bay. Do that. Yeah, man. I I'm I I would find it hard. And I've been very critical all year of Justin and whether or not we should move on from him um, and saying that we should. But I'm, I'll back off of that a little bit and just go through the process because you're still going to go through the process um, with the with the quarterback in the draft. But on the, and unless one blow you away, then, no, you, you keep Justin and you, keep, you just move forward. But, like, 10% better Justin Fields and – um, that's the floor. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with that. My goodness. Alex Brown, it's a fascinating place to be, to be this far into watching all of Justin's games as we have and to still mm-hmm. be questioning, to still be there kind of trying to pick it apart and have this one game matter. But you know what I keep coming back to <laughs> is that he's real good against man coverage, especially when he knows mm-hmm. DJ Moore is singled like Atlanta did. But when you zone him up, you zone him up, and he's got to make those anticipatory throws and throw it before he sees a guy open, it's mm-hmm. a, it, it is a challenge. And there's lots of sources and lots of stories within the league saying exactly that. Does that come up in your conversations when you and Lance are sitting there watching the games? Like, oh, boy, there's a zone. He's waiting to see a guy open rather than throwing it early. That can get you in trouble in this league. It comes up, it comes up for me. Lance loves him. I don't hate him. It's just like I just can't. Lance wants to win. He wants the Bears to win, but he wants them to win with Justin. I don't care. <laughs> right. I don't care who it is. <laughs> I don't care what the name on the back of the jersey says. I just want the Bears to win. That's it. I don't care who does it. So if you give me another quarterback that can actually make these, um, can anticipate this and beat zone covers as well as man covers, then I have no issue with it being um, with, with us going uh, with with Justin, but if he can't do that, then yes, that's a problem because all defensive coordinators they're looking at this as well, right? So, and they're gonna that's what they're gonna run against is they'll stop running man. I don't care if you get Marvin Harrison Jr., it's not gonna matter because they're gonna go zone. And if he can't do it, he's just gonna throw interceptions, and then we're gonna be back here and we're gonna have the 12th pick. And now we got to trade away everything to try to get up to get a quarterback. Amen. I think you have to really go through this process and evaluate it. Now, I'll go back to what you said about the new quarterback or the quarterback having different coaches and all that. Um, Trevor Lawrence did the same thing. And in the first year, he had the new coach who looked like a different player. I haven't seen that with Justin. Yeah. Like, they had when, – when they had um when they had Urban Meyer down there, he looked like – I mean, he looked like trash, honestly. Yep. And then you, then you look at how he just – they almost beat Kansas City last year. In Kansas City in the playoffs. They almost did. And Kansas City went on and won the Super Bowl. So when you look at how far they went from Urban Meyer being a disaster to them changing the coach and then this kid really taking off, 
that means it was already in him. It was there. It was there. They just kind of moved out of the way and let him kind of cook. Now, he has to take Elsie and they'll be fine. I want to see Justin take that step forward and stop putting it on all the coaches holding him back, you know? It's, it's great when they execute because it's all execution. When, when they execute, everybody says, oh, that was a great call by Luke Getze. Well, hell, when they don't execute, still a great call by Luke Getze. They're just not executing. It's on the players. The players have to execute the plays that are being called. Longtime Bear Alex Brown with us ahead of Bears and Packers. We'll talk to Brian Balaga in a little bit. Dan Wiederer at 4 o'clock. Do you have a player comp for Montez Sweat? He remind you of anyone? <laughs> Montez, man. Um, oh, he, he probably had um, uh, the effect on our team. Probably Wale. When he came, when Wale came, uh, a legit 10-sack guy, a year, when he came to the team, it was just little things. Like, if you look in 04, I was still – no, 03. So, 2003, while he got there in 04, I want to say Lovey's first year he got there. So, in 03, I'm still – like, I'm in, like, Pop Warner. I'm wearing all my pads. I'm wearing knee pads, thigh pads, <laughs> butt pads, hip pads. I'm wearing everything. While they came, and then it's like, oh, okay, I'm a little more comfortable if I don't wear anything. He's like, well – why won't you, why did why do you not wear your pads? He's like, well, if they hit me on my legs, then that's my fault. If I do my job and use my technique, then they won't hit me on my legs. I'm like, oh. And then I feel faster, and it's like, oh, okay. They need to teach you little stuff about how to attack a tight end when they get on your side as a, and what to look for um, when you're hit up a tight end and you got that tackle inside, that tackle goes down, make sure you get that left foot. It was just little stuff he would teach. He could teach me or he'd say – and it would help me so much. And then having somebody on that other side, even though I still mess with him and I still think that I had to go against a tougher guy every single week in the left tackle, yeah, okay, he got his 10 and he did his thing. But come over here and get some of this left tackle, man. Because he left tackle, we're talking about, <laughs> we're talking about um, like pace and, and uh, we, we play Seattle every single year, it seemed like. Walter Jones. So you, you got Walter Jones, like, oh, my gosh, like, these guys. And then Chad Clifton, he had – well, I mean, what's the guy named for Green Bay that he had over there? Uh, he was – oh, he was so bad. But he was perfect against Wale. Like, what he did, it just – it messed with Wale. And it was so funny because this is probably the worst left tackle you're going to – or worst right tackle you're going to go against, and you can't sniff the quarterback. <laughs> he just couldn't do it. He could not beat him for some reason. So – but Wally, I would say Wally made that difference or made probably the same effect on our defense um, as Sweat is doing because since he's gotten there, man, it seems like the defense just took two steps forward and we're winning because of the defense, you know? Yeah. You're talking about Mark Tauscher? I'm talking about Tauscher, yes. That's him, Tauscher. <laughs> That's my thought. Wally could not beat him. Yeah, <laughs> <It was awful. laughs> what, That's amazing. What, uh, Adewale Ogunle was a, was the first guy I, I thought That's of as so well great. in terms of, like, completing the defense. Um, yes. But Montez as a – I mean, that's Montez. As an athlete, 6'6 six, six, and 262, so strong, <laughs> so rangy, it, and so good against the run as well as – 
as 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 the pass rush. It's like I find myself thinking through all like the Pro Bowl or All Pro Hall of Fame defensive ends, looking for a body type, looking looking for a comp in that way, and 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 I can't Ooh, quite. Who Strahan is interesting. Strahan is interesting. Strahan, like he's a tall, he's probably a little taller mm-hmm. um, than Strahan, but like I, I probably, I probably go with Strahan, and I, I think we have to. Yes, he's uber talented physically, but let's let's look at his the mental side of it. He came in, he came to a team that needed this, yes, and he delivered immediately. Like that is that is tough to do. It's tough to do regardless. But when every all eyes are on you, everybody expects you to do it. When we when we took him, I'm not the only one that was like, wait a minute, we didn't get Chase? You know, like what? Hold <laughs> on, we got we got sweat, we didn't get Chase. Yeah. Like, but like but you like you got that pressure to perform, to come through right now. And no no problem at all. He came in and just elevated everybody was able to play ball. Like you you finally got, you remember two years ago, we had um, Mooney. Um, we were going into the season, and Mooney was supposed to be like the number one guy. And it's like, wait, Mooney can't be the number one guy. Now you got sweating, and you, you put that guy, who is a, who is a pass rusher, a, an alpha, you put him out there. Now all the other guys can get in their position, right? Now all the other guys can do what they do. They can play off of him. And you see the plays. You see the D linemen that we didn't even know that these guys could get to the quarter. We got more guys getting to the quarterback, getting pressure, um, finishing sacks, getting hands on the ball, tipping the ball up. Our linebackers are making plays all over the place. And we just didn't see this prior to Sweat getting there. So it's uh, it's, it's phenomenal, honestly. Um, and I think he deserves a lot more credit than he gets, even though we do give him a lot of credit. But he deserves more because it's been it's been amazing to watch the transformation of this defense. Oh, Michael Strahan, 6'5", 255. That's pretty there damn close. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and and all those Hell other yeah. – uh, made made O.C. Humanura better, made J.P.P. Mm-hmm. better, right? Uh, Justin Tuck Absolutely. made that whole Justin D-line Tuck. better. Yeah. You're right. Good, uh-huh. good stuff, Alex Brown. they crushed. Mm-hmm. They crushed um, New England. And uh, that, that's why they won. You know what I mean? Yep. They won yeah, rushed for. That D-line got after it, man. So, yeah. They're, that's a that's a great comp, and I think he's had that effect. It's been it's been fun to watch. Alex Brown, good stuff, man. We appreciate you, and uh, we'll be watching on Sunday. And uh, thanks for joining us. Absolutely, anytime, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Alex, Alex Brown, NBC Sports Chicago oh, football after show. That scratched such an itch for me, man. I've that been looking fun. for it. I've been looking for it. And and Strahan is whew, Strahan four straight years uh, first team All Pro. Pretty good. Well, that's the, I mean, I know, pretty good. Strahan. Production, outrageous. Much higher consistent pass rush, rush production indi- sure. individually than Montez Sweat has ever approached. But for sure. I mean, this is the best season Montez Sweat has ever had. I was one of the guys that thought Chase, Chase Young over Montez Sweat. It's one of the things that, again, you have to point to and say that polls gets right on like these like 50 50 calls. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, oh, good job. Like, he. Takes Darnell Wright and Jervon Dexter instead of Jalen Carter. You get a good uh, nose tackle. We'll see if he ends up being anywhere near what Jalen Carter is. I know the second half of this year he's been very productive. Uh, But also getting the right tackle, which helps evaluate the offense. 
reasonably right call. Trading the number one overall pick, identifying Carolina, selecting DJ Moore. Mm-hmm. Good call. Like, Brisker over Pickens is looking good, though Pickens is playing very hey, well. None of us are here talking about Ryan Pohl's job security. No, he is. he has job security, and I'd be floored uh, any, if it went any other direction. Brian Balaga, really fun interview, longtime Packer, Super Bowl champion. We will get his perspective on Bears-Packers rivalries and just how good is Jordan Love. And uh, Weederer at 4 o'clock, he texted me a couple of days ago, and that's not something that's happening all the time. Oh, a budding, uh, uh, a budding bromance I, here? Let's take it easy. <laughs> and, but he said, he goes, I think, I think we're going to have fun on Friday's appearance. Oh, really? Really, Dan? So, no, looking forward to that. So, Dan Weederer joins us at 4 o'clock. Parkinson Spiegel on the score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Sebastian Maniscalco. Good to be on the score. I mean, I've been a score guy ever since in the 90s listening to you guys. You know, now with the Bears, I don't know what the hell's going on. Afternoons on the score. Green Bay, it feels like home to me. Being drafted here and being part of this organization, I think, to me personally, the greatest organization in the NFL was an absolute honor. With the 23rd pick in the 2000. 10 NFL draft. The Green Bay Packers select Brian Bulaga, offensive tackle, Iowa. I don't think people are going to ever let me live down the Brian Bulaga, Iowa, ever, which is fine. I think it's funny. Brian Bulaga, Iowa. Brian Bulaga, Iowa. Brian Bulaga, Iowa. Brian Bulaga, Iowa. I love watching the games now. I get I do the radio thing now, so I have to be critical in some standpoint. I, I'm honest, and I, and I give an opinion and break it down. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm truly very biased because I still played with some of the guys that are on the team. And time melts away from Super Bowl 45. The title is back in town. The Green Bay Packers are world champions of football. For me, it's kind of like a full circle moment coming back and ending my journey here. This is where I feel like I belong. To make it official as a Green Bay Packer, to me, means the most. The Parkinson Spiegel Show, afternoons on The Score. Thrilled to have him back on the show. That was from his retirement in November from Marion Central Catholic. Brian Belaga with us on the hotline presented by Circus Sports Illinois ahead of Week 18 Bears and Packers. What's up, Brian? Guys, how's it going? It's good. It's going good, man. Did you guys really get another good quarterback? Sickening. Sickening. You know, I I was going to ask. I was going to ask you guys pretty early. How does it feel to know that Green Bay has gone three for three on this? You think it's three for three? You think they nailed the the process and the results? You got a first ballot Hall of Famer? Is that what you're saying? I don't know if he's going to be first ballot. I know we're we're overstepping, but I think he's going to be pretty good. <laughs> he already I think is. He's going to be pretty good. He's already well, thro- he's already thrown for more yards and touchdowns than any Bears quarterback in any season ever, all time. Yeah, I know. It's 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 a hard staff. It's a hard staff for Bears fans to kind of wrap their head around right now. And you know, the thing is that early, you know, early in this season, especially in October, we saw him struggle a lot. Like it was, it was not good. And all the questions started swirling. Obviously I'm on ESPN Milwaukee. So we hear a lot and talk a lot about it. And, you know, questions were raised. And then all of a sudden he kind of pulls himself out of the funk and he just starts playing phenomenally. And the team starts playing better. The receivers start playing better. And now we're looking at the season that he's had with the potential that they have, you know, in week 18 to do something that no one really thought they would do. And, and I think that's what is exciting about this week 18 matchup. 
No one has more touchdowns since week 11. No one has a better QBR since week 11 than Jordan Love in the entire NFL. What changed? Well, I I, I think if you look at I always looked at it because the Pittsburgh game that they lost, I think, was a big change in the team. And I think Matt LaFleur decided to kind of let Jordan Love just open this thing up and and go for it. I think – you kind of looked at the offense prior to it. He was protecting them, uh, kind of putting, you know, just being patient and cautious with the offense because there were a lot of mistakes, a lot of young players, receivers were messing up. It, it was kind of a a bad thing to watch. Like I watch the tape every week. I do the all 22 breakdown and I, and I kind of go through everything. And it was just, you know, very safe and cautious. And LaFleur was looking out for the guys, trying to make, trying to put them in the best position. When in reality, what he did in Pittsburgh, even though they lost, he kind of opened the things up and let guys sink or swim. And ever since that game, you know, everyone has kind of just come along. The offensive line has come along. The wideouts have really grown up. They're a young group, very young group. But, man, they're they're starting to play really well right now. And obviously Jordan Love has elevated his game to, to a different level. And I think that's been the big difference. In, in Green Bay. Are you working in media or just breaking down the all 22 for kicks, Brian Bulaga? No, no I, I, uh, I am an employee of ESPN Milwaukee. Ah. So I, uh, so I, I work for them. I, I I'm on uh, the Homer hour with Steve, the Homer truth. I'm sure you guys know him. Of course. Um, Homer true. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm on with him a couple days a week. I do a lot with Wilby and Tausch. I do the pregame. Uh, quite a bit, so I'm, uh, I'm staying busy. We'll put it that way. Uh, that, good, excellent. Well, I mean, look, you're right about the receiver group. There have been times this year where the number one was Christian Watson, then I thought it was Romeo Dobbs, and then, oh, look, that Dontavian Wicks is pretty good, and then, like, oh, that Jaden Reed, boy, he's a weapon, and now Bo Melton is the third down guy. What yeah. the hell's going on? So I guess my question is, is that part of Matt LaFleur's uh, teaching to spread the ball around this much because the natural ability to spread it around and just kind of find different people seems to be a superpower early on for everybody who's ever played quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you look at, especially early on in Aaron's days, you know, in 2011, you saw the weapons that he had in Cobb, James Jones, driver, Jordy Nelson, Jennings. And then obviously the team evolves. And then you had Devontae Adams. And so like, you've always looked at how Green Bay kind of builds their roster receiver-wise, and you want to have multiple weapons and guys that are true number ones and obviously true number twos, and then the number threes can almost be number twos. And you kind of look at what Green Bay has right now. And obviously, Watson was supposed to be the number one guy. He's been nicked up. Things happen. I get it. But kind of Reed has kind of stepped up and kind of taken the claim of that. But then Wicks is playing really well. Now, like you said, Bo Melton out of nowhere – Bang, and Dobbs is still a, a go-to target. And you look at, at least, I mean, from my perspective, when I watch it, I mean, these guys are all getting, you know, six, seven targets a game, and he's spreading it around like crazy. And I, and that's what makes it so hard on defenses to defend because there's not really like a true go-to guy. There's so many guys that are um, becoming weapons and options that it, that it really opens things up for for Jordan Love and, and obviously with the offense with with Matt LaFleur like this is kind of the by design like this is kind of the way his offense um, has always been to work is to spread things around make defenses play you true and straight up and obviously when I was there in 19 and kind of 
towards the back end of Aaron's deal, it was obviously Devontae Adams, right? Like, no duh. Like, we've got to stop Devontae Adams. Like, that, that's a pretty obvious one. But um, that's kind of what kind of hampered Green Bay towards, you know, obviously Aaron's last year was there really wasn't a bunch of options for him to go to besides Devontae, right? Watson was the rookie. He came on late at the end of the year and, and scored all those touchdowns, but there really wasn't that number two option. Now here we see Jordan Love's first year where the big question mark was obviously, who are these receivers he's throwing to? Like, who are these kids? And now here we are at the end of the season, and they've all made a pretty big name for themselves. Yeah, they had the audacity to draft Jordan Love instead of a wide receiver uh, for, 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 <laughs> for Aaron. Hey, Brian Balaga, you still get to say we and us about the Packers if you want. Do you say that still? Um, at, you know, at times I do, you know, because I – my point, you know is I, that, my point is that I don't think Aaron should. Aaron dropped a we and an us the other day when he was on with McAfee. He left went to another team, seemingly by his own choice. Could you tell Aaron we don't think he has a right to say we and us about the Packers anymore, I, please? Thank you. you. You know, I think he does it to really rub – the bear fans the wrong way. I think he, I think that, that Oh, he's that, trolling. Sure. No way. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the first time he's done it all year. So I'm pretty sure he's taking jabs at you guys. Uh, I think that's what he wants to do. Uh, uh, but hey, but I, but I, I, I do want to say one jab that. will take. Yeah. The one, the one jab. Yeah. I hey, mean, it's, hey, the most, it's the most controversial thing that he says. You know what I mean? He says, we and us. No. About bear Mr. Pfizer's. <laughs> Oh, no, man. that's pretty good. That was pretty good. You guys, that's quick on your feet. That's hey, why you guys are pros. Thank you. That's pretty good. Thank you. Uh, yeah. um, I, I will ask this about Packers fans. Um, I, I, how spoiled are they? Do they understand how spoiled they are? Because my dad's whole side of the family is Packers fans from Wisconsin. My dad was a diehard Packer fan. My brother was a diehard Packer fan. My nephew is a diehard Packer fan. He's going to the game. And... Like, I hear them bitch and moan about, like, oh, it was only one Super Bowl for Rodgers and all the NFC Championship game losses. You don't know how painful it is. It, Jordan Love is supposed to be Achilles Smith, and that's supposed to be followed up with Tim Couch, and that's supposed to be followed up with Jamarcus <laughs> Russell. And then and then maybe, maybe you're supposed to get, like, David Carr or Daniel Jones or, if you're lucky, Dak Prescott. Like, this is not supposed to happen – do they understand how spoiled and petulant they really are? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I like I love Packers fans because and that's the reason why I love them because they're you know they do make the gripes and moans about things like that. And listen, I get it. You had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks and only two Super Bowls came out of it, and now you know, and we were in a lot of NFC Championship games and lost. I get it. It's hard. It sucks. Believe me, I was part of a lot of them. It wasn't fun. Um, but I don't, I don't think they truly understand what other fan bases go through because they haven't gone through it in a long time. They don't. And they don't understand. Yeah, yeah. I just don't. I just don't think they get it. And you know, that's why for me, right, as a player that you know played against, say, you know, the Detroit Lions, I'm actually happy for them. Like, I'm actually happy for the fans. I'm happy for the team. Um, that they got something rolling there because I've been in that stadium when it was bare empty. I've been in there when it was all Packer fans. I've been there when they were dreadful. And now to see them kind of come out of it and, and play good, you know, it, it's fun to see. So I always try to remind Packer fans, especially because Homer and I, I, Homer and I don't think likes it. I like it. I like to have phone phone-ins on the show. 
I think it's fun to have people call in and, and talk about the game yes, and this sir. and that. And I I try to remind people that listen, this doesn't like to get a quarterback that we think could be another ten to fifteen year guy and we get three of them in a row, it doesn't happen. Like it's just not real life. Like we still have organizations trying to find a guy for the last thirty years, let alone three in the last God knows how many. So, like, you guys just got to take a breath, kind of let this thing, you know, grow and mature. It's his first year, but everything's looking pretty good. We just got to take a deep breath and relax. Well, it's this is be all right. This this is the issue for us. It's crazy, man. We got a guy in Justin Fields who might be pretty good. You know, I don't know if he'll ever be great. I don't know, but he's he's pretty good. Do you try? Yep. Do, you, do you draft great, wishing and a hoping? Or do you stick with pretty good and see where it can go? It's a tricky spot, isn't it? What would you do? Yeah, I mean, this is I, – I, I was hoping we would get into this because this is something I want to ask you guys. What I mean, <laughs> my opinion, my opinion, because the Bears are in, obviously everyone's happy about the first overall pick, right? I mean, that's all I hear from my buddies back home. We got the number one, yep. and, this, and that's great. And that's great. That's really good. But what are you going to do with the number one? Like, that's my biggest thing. And – And you look at the quarterbacks that are coming out of college, right? There's some big-name ones, some big-name guys, some guys that are supposed to be pro-ready. Justin Fields, if you look at him the last, what, six weeks, right? He's gotten healthy. He's playing better. The offense is playing better. The defense is playing phenomenally. They're playing team football. If you add some weapons for Justin Fields, do you have a a really good team? I think I look at it because if you – if you draft the quarterback, you don't know what you're doing. Obviously, Fields is gone, or he's checked out. There's no way he's yeah, you trade him. sticking around, right? Yeah, you, you, yeah. you, you, tra- you trade Fields for a second-round pick plus other late-round picks or whatever, and, yeah. you, and you draft Caleb Williams, and maybe you sign a veteran, but, you know, and then, and then Caleb gets dropped into a seven-win team with a lot of young talent plus, you know, the 10th or 12th pick in the draft, wherever they, wherever they end up at the end of this year. Yeah, I mean, if it's me, if it's if what if it's me, I'm taking the wide receiver from Ohio State and adding a weapon, putting him and DJ Moore out there together, and then with the second first, what what pick are you guys going to have? Like probably the eighth or ninth or tenth, whatever it is. I don't even know which one it's it, going to be. It depends if they win um, or lose Sunday and what other teams around yeah. them do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's me, then I'm looking to add another offensive lineman and protect the kid. That's what I'm doing personally. Or you trade back collect more picks and still pick offensive line. That's what I would do. Or if I'm the bears, I add another elite rusher to, you know, play bookend with Montez sweat. Cause the dude's playing like an animal right now. Like he's unbelievable. Like I, I played him in Washington. He was impressive in Washington, but he, you know, his production wasn't there. He signs with the bears and bang, he's like a, a breath of fresh air in Chicago and he's playing out of his mind. So you have many options you can do, but you take the gamble on Caleb Williams, knowing what you have in Justin Fields, and if you add talent around him, you can make the team much better, or you get rid of what you know and take that big risk of a college quarterback that, man, these college quarterbacks are hit or miss. You yeah, don't know. they are. Yeah, they are. Belaga, you, you're the goods. Nice to talk to you. We'll let you say we and us, just you. You, you, you get to say it for the Packers, all right? I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> See you, Brian. Thank you. Enjoy the game. 
All right, guys. Take care. Thanks, Brian. Uh, Brian Balaga. We'll talk to Dan Wiederer in 15 minutes. Have Homer. some fun with that. Yeah, Steve Homer, true. Yeah, Homer, a- baby. A- ab- absolutely. Quick on our feet. How about that compliment from Balaga? Parkinson Spiegel up the score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Are you kidding me? Tune in to Twitch. Afternoons on the score. All right, who's picking them? Who thinks the Bears are going to complicate the hell out of this thing and win this game on Sunday and we come in here on Monday in a Bears fan civil war? Well, look, respectfully, Danny, I um, I am leading all score experts in, ba- in Bears picks. I'm 12-4, and four, alone in first place, approaching this unprecedented week, you know, 17th game. I should have already locked this thing up, right? If it was by the old rules... Twelve and four would have locked it up. You mean the old sixteen game schedule? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Our bad. Yeah, there's seventeen. You know the yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure do, Tony. Um, and also, Parkins versus Parkins versus Spiegel versus Spiegel is coming in one hour. I'm going to hold my pick until then. Oh my god! I'm, I'm going to reveal then. I'm picking him. There we go. I've got no reason to be optimistic, really, about most things, right, uh, especially yeah, about obviously. being a Bears fan against the Packers. I, you know, grew up and. Began to love football in the Brett Favre era, so I really have no reason to be optimistic about this. But when I look at these two teams and the trajectory, Packers are a solid team. Jordan Love is much better than Danny gives him credit for. He's about as good as I thought he was going to be. You can go back and look at my predictions from week one. But yeah, go back and look at his prediction for Tevin Jenkins while you're at it. Yes, yeah. that's right. Um, Thank you for that sideswipe. Was he, did he it's about the, time you guys started sideswiping each other. Did he make the Pro We're Bowl? T- Congratulations, by the way. They had a, I think Grody mentioned they had a new baby yesterday during his sale. I don't know if he did or didn't. I mentioned it to Grody. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, you know, I, I think the Bears are going to win tomorrow I, or Sunday. They No one knows when this game is, by the way. Justin says 345. I'm saying tomorrow. Uh, I think the Bears <laughs> will win because they're playing really good football right now, and wow. nothing in life is ever easy. The easiest thing, like Danny was saying, would be if, if they come out and lay an egg and all of a sudden we're back to saying, oh, this coach has to go, QB has to go. Nothing in life is ever that easy. They're going to make this as complicated as possible. You know, as if, actually, if I was really being real with myself, I'd say – Justin has a good game, but the team loses, you know? There you go. No, you're right, because Danny called me on it earlier in the week when I said, like, Justin's got to go up there and ball out, and then I'll, uh, you know, and then I'll be in, and they got to win. And you're like, oh, they got to win. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, and I know that's not fair to the quarterback. Definitely not. Yeah, yeah and I've got no chance in being the picks champion, so I surrender my title to maybe to Speaks. We'll see. Uh, but I, I just think that this thing is, is you know, it's trending in the right direction. It's trending in the right direction. They're playing good ball right now. And I think finally they have a pass rush, which they didn't have. They didn't showcase that in week one because they didn't have one against this team. And Fields is playing good football. But I, I do worry about that defense, uh, the confusing them. We, so this is a really good test for Fields in his final game as a Bear, maybe. And we'll see. You guys ever watch collegiate rowing? A lot. A lot Never. more than I ever Never talked once. about. So in like I, the, I mean, I saw the social network. Right. Like in the NAIA <laughs> of counts. collegiate rowing or like Division three or Division two, you're not going to see the Winklevosses out there. You're not going to see a, t- a, a the rowing Winklevi. team. Winklevi. Winklevosses out there pulling <laughs> and, and rowing in, in such a straight direction. You're going to see teams going in circles because they can't paddle it, it, completely in unison. This Bears team is the equivalent <laughs> of the Harvard rowing team from the social network, the Winklevoss twins absolutely streamlined going down whatever Massachusetts the Charles, River. The Charles sure, River. Sure, the Charles River. Old Chuck is what we call it <laughs> in the rowing community, by the way. Chucky River. Yeah, the Chucky River. The Bears are streamlined going in the same direction wow. down that river as a very elite rowing team. They will win this game 36 to 34. Wow! 
high-scoring affair. Your thoughts on the analogy, uh, Danny? For his first one of 2024, it is. I thought it was very strong. Yeah, it was pretty good. I thought it was. I, yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was very strong. I took uh, two years of improv in high school. That came right off the top of my head. Right now, yeah. I did not think about that. That was not premeditated, oh, growing no, content. Uh, Gary Goldman's new uh, comedy special, which is very funny, uh, "Born on Third Base." By the way, he says, "I failed out of analogy school." So that was really tough. And let me say that failing out of analogy school, it's kind of like. Oh, uh, stop. Let's go. This oh. guy over here. So he won't give the pick. You're, they're a rower. <laughs> T- Tanny has them they're winning because team. it's going to be How as painful as possible. How should I put this? How should I put this? Failing out of <laughs> school. It's kind of, it's, it's akin to. Yeah. And let the record show, you know, a few weeks ago I said, Fields, I'm out on Fields. If we would know he was the guy, we would have seen it by now. I hated that Arizona game. I liked the Atlanta game very much. So my, you know, the, the future of Justin Fields, in my opinion, is Solely based on the outcome of this game, which oh seems my foolish, God. which seems foolish. No, but if he plays good, because this is a big test, man. You have to beat your division rival. You have to win tough games on the road. You know they they haven't really done that as of yet. The Lions game, which we talked about earlier in the show, it's a, that's a pass for me. But I do think this game should mean a lot to all the evaluators. What and happens if they capsize? That, that goes against every piece of football, football logic, but when you have the test that we've had in the final seven games and it's been kind of eh, pass, fail, pass, fail, I'm sorry. This just happens to mean a lot. So We'll see if Dan Weederer and I begin 2024 in agreement. And if he still thinks it's possible that Matt Eberflus could be fired on Monday, something that he wrote recently makes me think that he does think that that is at least on the table. We'll talk to Weederer about that coming up. Parkinson, speak on the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.